Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Over eight years ago, when I first launched the Homesteady podcast, in the introduction to the show, I said the world that we live in is a crazy place. Recently, we've brought this introduction back to the podcast because, honestly, it feels like the world is even crazier than it was eight years ago. The world that we live in is a crazy place. This is a pandemic. The toilet paper tussle. Inflation hitting a new... They're protesting. When I sat down with Jack and Jackie from the Mindful Homestead to record today's episode, it was just after the school shooting that took place in Texas. This was a horrible tragedy. Uh, Usually, we try to steer clear of current events on the podcast, things that can get political quickly and divide people. This is a show where we try to unite people on a subject that can bring happiness, security, comfort. This episode is not different. We don't talk about these current events any more than I already have. But we do discuss how our homestead can shield us from all these crazy events. And my guests, Jack and Jackie, had a lot to say. Jackie is a licensed therapist who couldn't use a little insight from a therapist in the wake of these events. And Jack and Jackie together have built an incredible homestead, a life that has brought them peace, happiness, security. And I think today, releasing this episode... We're in the wake of another public shooting. Uh, Every day you turn on the news, there's just something you can be worried and anxious about. This whole episode is here to help those of you who want to get started. Jack and Jackie have been walking this path for a while. There's a lot of great advice you can find on getting started, getting the ball rolling. And for those of us who are already in the middle of our homestead journey, uh, there's a lot of good advice on how we can keep it a place that brings us comfort peace and security from the craziness around us. So unlike most of our episodes, which are edited versions of the full-length interview, I hope this full-length episode you enjoy listening to Jack and Jackie's story and get some ideas of how you can find a little bit more peace from the craziness of the world around us. Because you and me, well, we can make a difference. But just starting a garden harvesting rainwater, raising some meat chickens with a couple of friends. All these little steps, bit by bit, it makes life better for you, me, and our kids. So if you've wanted to start homesteading, or maybe just grow your homestead a little bit bigger this year, well, you found the right podcast. Cozy up, it's time for another episode of Homesteady. I 
long-term, you know, Homesteady watch watchers, viewers, listeners will remember you guys have been on the show in the past. Um, during a very you know crazy time early in the COVID pandemic, we did a big live show and you guys uh, came on. Jackie came on to talk about uh, mental health and how we dealt with that on the, on the homestead. Uh, but I'm excited tonight because we're really going to focus tonight on just building our homesteads as a place that we can enjoy as our family that can keep us kind of safe from this crazy world around us. I wanted to dive in because I'd like to hear your guys' story and how you guys all got into this life. I've been watching you build your homestead over the last few years. Where did this spark start? That was my fault. <laughs> um, when I was in college, I think it was, my mom bought me a subscription to Mother Earth News. A subscription to Mother Earth News. How many people's homesteading stories started that way. I know in our early days of starting our homestead, my mother-in-law subscribed to this magazine. When we would visit the family farm, which we now run, I would page through copies of Mother Earth News, learning little tidbits on how I could raise livestock for cheaper, feed my chickens in my backyard, or butcher a deer. It's amazing how seeds planted by a magazine sitting on a coffee table uh, can make such a big difference years later and this is like early 2000s i was like punk rock kid in college and i was like why is my mom getting me this this hippy dippy magazine where they're talking about like you know making my own compost tea and and doing that sort of thing you know i was a ski bum i was listening to punk rock i was going to shows and and i was living in this area and i was ski bumming but i was also hiking during the summertime you know i was living in a resort town which was very dependent on the single grocery store in town and, and, you know, the couple small like delis and, and, you know, bodegas that were around the resort town. And I kind of saw, like, I was living in an area, I couldn't have a garden because I was in a, a condominium essentially that I was renting. And um, it just, it, it made me realize like, if this grocery store closed down, um, I'm, I'm screwed. Like, I don't have a way to do this. I don't have a way to grow food. I get, could go out and forage in the forest around me but that's a seasonal thing. You know, there's three feet of snow on the ground in the winter time. So um, it kind of made me realize, you know, all these magazines and I had back issues and other news kicking around this whole time. It made me realize that maybe there's something to this and I should pay a little bit more attention. Did you plant a garden this year? Do you remember the feeling of taking a little seed and pushing it down into the dirt and then waiting maybe days possibly a week or two before you saw anything pushing up through the dirt seeds take time before they even start to show any progress at all and that was the same with jack these magazines they planted a seed but there was a long germination period before he was harvesting from the homestead that they run together that you can see on their youtube channel the mindful homestead it still it still took a while i mean for that was around 2010 um where Jackie and I, we moved into an apartment in Southern New Hampshire and it was on three acres of land. It was in the woods. Uh, the landlord lived below us. So it was kind of like, I joked that the, the partying for me ended really quickly uh, because we went from like ski town, USA, living as a ski bum up there to living in an apartment with my wife in the middle of the woods with my landlord and his older wife living directly below me. Um, <laughs> it kind of changed really quickly. And 
that was when I started getting involved. I was always a big fisherman still. Um, and I kind of made that transition from fly fisherman that was fishing for trout in the mountains to now looking at, okay, fishing is one way to provide food for my family. What else is there? And that was when I kind of got into the hunting side of things. It was probably around 2010, 2011, uh, and then really kind of started taking it seriously a few years later. Uh, we bought the property in 2016, and I would say it was late 2017, maybe 2018 when we got chickens. Yeah, I was pregnant with Emma. Oh, yeah. And we had Emma in September of 2018. So it was early, sp maybe spring of 2018, yep. where we finally brought some chickens onto the property. Uh, you know, we took that that two-year period to kind of see how we felt about things. I hunted some on the property beforehand and, and kind of knew... Um, being the the novice hunter that I am, um, that simply hunting wasn't going to be enough to provide f food for my family. So that kind of spurred the chicken. Well, and all through those couple of years, Jackie had no clue that this oh, was I kept Jack's my mouth, plan. I kept my mouth shut <laughs> none, big time. None. <laughs> uh, Jackie, the, the day you found out Jack's getting some chickens here, how were you feeling about this? I didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, I am a therapist by trade, so I tend to try to go with a flexible mindset and I want to support Jack 100% in his endeavors. Um, and this was his thing. He really was passionate about it. And so there we go. I mean, I, I wasn't going to not support that. Um, and I, like I said, I did the work. I went over and hung out with the neighbor's chickens and did the best I could. And, uh, and the rest is history, but I was not a happy camper about it. I was actually terrified of chickens. Uh, we used to have to go over to our neighbors and I had to do some like exposure therapy with them because I <laughs> hated things flying and flapping. And, um, and now I, I get right in there with them and it still blows my mind. Uh, cause I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that this is what I'm doing. <laughs> when we first started dating, one of Jackie's friends had a cockatiel or cockatiel. Yeah, yeah. And Jackie is terrified of birds like flying in her area, like around her. And it was one of those things where when we got the chickens, you know, if they started flapping and we were out there, you could tell she was noticeably kind of shook yeah. by, the, by the notion of a bird potentially flying around. Yeah. You know, you have good reason to be scared of a cockatoo. We used to, or a cockatiel, we used to, whatever the big one is. Growing up, we had one. My mom had one named Mikey. And he was huge. And he would sit in our office. And he would reach through the crate, his birdcage. And he would grab the office chair you were in. And you'd be at the desk typing. And all of a sudden, you'd be like, and it was Mikey pulling you back. They're evil. So I don't blame you, Jackie. <laughs> He's vicious. All right. Vicious. I guess I had a valid reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Now, chickens is another story. Now, uh, we kind of refer to them as Jackie's birds. Yeah, they least. became my birds. <laughs> yep. I hated them at first. I hated them. But now I love them. <laughs> the truth comes out. It helps that we didn't jump full. But like, we got chickens. But we got four chicks to start from the local feed store and it was two uh two spanish andalusians and two gold um uh, silver lace wyandots and we had those four chicks um that was our start in chickens it was just four it was four chicks that we brooded up and then later on that season um we brought in seven more yeah, we got like, seven more chickens that were started pullets. They were yeah. they were about four months old at that point. 
And for us, it kind of gave us the ability to not get overwhelmed with those four chicks, but then bring in some more chickens later to the, to the flock and, and start from, I don't want to say, you know, a, a, an already started position, but that's what we were doing. Like we had gotten past the chicks phase without being overwhelmed. Okay. Let's add some older birds in. Now for those people who are watching right now and, and maybe watching or listening later, who don't know how big you guys have grown over this, you know, lifespan. Give us a, a, you know, drone flyover. What are we looking at now when we see the Mindful Homestead? Somewhere north of 30 chickens. We're not sure exactly. <laughs> um, there comes a point in every chicken owner's life where I feel like you kind of just lose track of chickens. And rather than doing a head count at night, you just kind of do the whole like, who's there are all the familiar faces around. Um, so somewhere north of 30 chickens, uh, there will be 13 ducks. Well, there is 13 There ducks. are 13 <laughs> ducks. We have some new ducks that we added this year. We have nine ducklings. Nine and ducklings and four. Four grown ducks. Four grown ducks. That's for two years. Uh, 26 turkeys. There's currently 36 meat birds out in the Suskovich tractor. What's up, Johnny, if you're watching? And uh, there are 10 pigs out getting ready to go on pasture. They are still in the training pen, but possibly by the end of this weekend, they will be out on pasture, forest pasture. You forgot about your soap business. Oh, the soap business. Yeah, yeah we make soap that, now too. That um, was another idea that Jack came to me with like, I want to make soap out of our <laughs> pig lard that's left over. And I'm like, what the heck? Um, but that took off. He's making, um, lard soap and beard oil and beard balm uh case in point right there um <laughs> hands off for those of you listening to the podcast not watching on youtube jack has an incredible beard which is what jackie is alluding to right there it's a the kind of beard a chicken could lay eggs in and the eggs would be safe and incubate properly and hatch chicks might be a good future YouTube video for the Mindful Homestead. What do you think, Jack? <laughs> Not to get into the whole like farm versus homestead debate, because I know that exists and I know people talk about it. Um, we kind of operate as both a homestead and a farm right now is kind of the way I look at it. The farming aspect um, is is very, it, it's our meat bird business. It's our pig business. I mean, we raise 10 pigs a year. We don't eat 10 pigs a year. We keep two for us. So those, those eight pigs, you know, they are sold and they help offset the cost of, of raising our own food in a lot of aspects. Um, Austin, you are the one that basically convinced me to raise pigs to sell for profit in addition to supplementing our homestead. So we make a lot of choices on about how to grow the homestead based on what we want, but also let that fall in line with what our customers are looking for. And for us, what we were lacking until you come up with a mini, mini, mini Jersey is a form <laughs> I'm of working red on it, I'm working on it, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're small, like our homestead, you know, if I give you that drone view, we're just about 11 acres of which for the past, since we've owned it, maybe 10 has been forested. Um, this spring or this winter and now going in the spring, it's just about the, the heavy equipment aspect is just about done. Uh, we've been clearing three and a half acres of that forest clear cut and rough stumped it and rough graded it. And that is going to become pasture for sheep. Uh, we're small. We don't have enough pasture for cows unless we really do a lot of haying with them. Um, 
and so that has kind of led us to look at a red meat that we can grow that's not goats and <laughs> good man good man <laughs> so fall of fall of 23 the mindful homestead will have sheep very cool but we're going slow it doesn't seem like we've grown slow it seems like in four years we've we've grown very much so um but at the same time when i look back at it we've made choices along the way that have kind of allowed for a, a more mentally sound growth we both work full-time jobs um when we got the first year we got those chickens jackie was pregnant with emma she was doing september of that year i think it really comes down to that i mean the namesake of of the of our homestead is the mindful homestead and it comes from a place of not wanting to bite off more than we can chew but also being mindful for lack of a better term of what we're able to take on every year this year we were looking at bringing bees onto the homestead we were looking at doing a whole bunch of other stuff um you know our normal big batch of spring broilers which is close to 100 birds and at some point we said with the whole logging project you know maybe this year is not the best time of the, you know the best time to add you know a whole bunch of meat birds to the occasion and a, and a couple of beehives to the equation um you know so we put hives on hold for the year we scaled back the meat birds where normally we'd have 100 meat birds out there on pasture. We have, you know, we started with 40, we're down to like 37. Um, but that's kind of the driving force behind the whole thing has been take small bites of, of what we want to do and dip into it. You know, the first year we did three pigs, the second year we did six, last year we did nine, this year we're doing 10. And we've made that conscious decision to cap it at 10. We're not going to do more than 10 pigs ever. One, because we get into, you have to market those pigs, you have to sell those pigs. And we're lucky that our YouTube channel's grown enough where we kind of have a built-in market for, for our pork. Like we're sold out this year and I have a waiting list with people on it, which is a good thing. But if I really wanted to kind of go big and take on, you know, 15, 16 hogs a year at the very least, which is what I could sell, what does that do to my life and what does that do to my, to my mental health and does it burn me out and do I like doing it anymore? Um, that's really kind of the thought progression on, on the growth and how we, we scale things. And I think it also comes back to the care of an animal too. The more you max yourself out on something, the more you're spreading yourself thin. And I think, you know, and then anxiety comes into play again, speaking of mental health, and it's all about breaking things into parts and doing it slowly piece by piece. And you can get to that big audacious goal that you have, but doing it slow and mindfully and having conversations about what can we actually take on, you know, with our bandwidth, not only our, our farm, but our family, family time, our jobs, that's a lot. And, and that becomes a key piece to homesteading and farming for us. And also the YouTube channel that takes a lot of our time. Yep. Um, and, and so that's really where it comes from is it's the mindful homestead. It's taking measured steps and thinking things through. Yes, we've had some impulsive choices and that certainly happens. And we that's okay camels. too. We didn't buy camels, you guys did. Burn. Um, that, I think that's really what's behind it is, is that slow measured part by part to reach those bigger goals. Yeah, I thought it's interesting because it, Jack started talking, telling the story about how you're, in, you're, you're moving to this spot and you're dependent on this one, um, you know, this one supermarket and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, this supermarket, if this thing shuts down, I got no food for my family, right? 
it's almost like it started, your homestead started out of feelings of fear. And I can actually mm-hmm. really relate to that years ago. So I don't know if I've ever even told this story, but like the littlest tiny seed of homesteady and our homestead and all that kind of started. Uh, I was reading this book. It's time to travel back in time. It's over a decade ago. I'm still a construction worker. I don't have a mustache. And I do work alongside my best buddy from high school, Accountant Mike. What? You didn't know me and Accountant Mike were buddies from high school days? Yeah, so we were working together. And of course, as we do, we would get into arguments about stuff. And one of those things, one of those topics we started talking about came from a book. It's called, uh, what was it called? Like uh, 10 minutes after, 10 seconds after. It's like a prepper, end of the world, EMP shuts everything down book. And, you know, the society falls apart and all that. I'm reading this book 10 seconds after or something like that. Um, I'll find it later and I'll put a link to it. I think but, I actually know the one you're talking about. Okay, you've heard I've never it. never read it, but I know of it. I, I was listening to it and I was, at the time I was working in construction with accountant Mike. And the two of us, he wasn't an accountant back then. He was just shovel holding Mike. <laughs> and we were arguing over like, you know, if society broke down, what would we do and what would be the best way to like survive through, you know, society shutting down the apocalypse. We actually had so much fun playing this kind of argument over who could survive better in the apocalypse. We came up with a board game. <laughs> Somewhere in one of our closets, there is a prototype of the Homesteady Survival Board Game, where you can roll the dice to travel around the world foraging, looking for food. You can decide to grow gardens or set up buildings as structures. You can even scale a mountain where you will fight with, you guessed it, a bear. Yes, Accountant Mike cannot be involved in any homesteady production without bringing a bear into it. Unfortunately for me, the prototype never turned into anything. Fortunately for all you who enjoy the podcast, we started a podcast instead. And well, here we are. I still want to find that board game somewhere. It was super fun. So that idea of like going through this mental scary thing of like, oh man, what if, what if? And then from that fear, shifting into what your guys' building process sounds like a much more rational, level-headed decision. How do you, you know, how do you take feelings of fear? If someone's feeling anxious from current events, what's happened this week, what's happened this year, what's happened these last couple of years, since the last time you guys were on the show at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, like if someone is feeling fearful, like, oh man, I, I got to do this. I got to do this now. It's too late. Everything's falling apart. How do you then f- use that fear maybe to get you going, but like shift it into something productive, mindful and, and building something like what you guys have done over these years? <laughs> kind of what I alluded to a few minutes ago, breaking it down into parts. Fear has this way of taking over, right? And you get these big catastrophic thoughts. And I try, I I try, I won't put my psychotherapist hat on here and do too much psychobabble, but I really (laughs) truly am so passionate about helping people understand that their brain, when something scary happens, it goes big and it's really hard to see things clearly. And so it's a huge piece of 
part by part by part. You could want the chickens and the ducks and have your, you know, your, your um, fridge full of eggs and meat and all of that. But it really, anxiety wants to go fast. It wants certainty. It wants you to be comfortable immediately, right? So you can have this great idea and kaboom all these animals and then you're overwhelmed, right? And so it's really, I, I, I say it a hundred times over, right? it's part by part by part because if you don't do it that way, you do get overwhelmed and you don't, right? I think most people think I'm gonna get a bunch of chickens, right? Where you work, right? They come in and they think they're gonna have a dozen eggs immediately. I work at a feed store, by the way, for anyone that <laughs> right. has not watched the channel. And, and you don't, right? It's about learning and understanding animals and how to take care of them. And if you just do it quickly and immediately, promise you, you're going to have more anxiety. It's going to be more fear producing. And then you could have all these animals and not know how to properly take care of them or just overwhelm yourself. So from my perspective as, as a psychotherapist, it's piece by piece. It's so hard to slow down because we want to go fast. Our society is fast, right? Fix it now, find a solution, but really wonderful, you know, farming and homesteading and having meat and, and uh, eggs and whatever, for your family takes time. I mean, I'll tell you, my bosses hate me sometimes because <laughs> somebody will come into the store and they'll say, hey, I wanna get meat chickens. I'm ready to do meat chickens. I've had a few egg layers, I'm ready to go. How many do you have in the brooder? 50, okay, I'll take 50. I need feeders, I need meat bird feed, I need this, I need that. And I'm the first person in the store to be like, whoa, whoa hang on, um, you've never done chickens before. Have you ever killed a chicken? You know, Have you ever processed a chicken? you're getting 50 meat birds. Do you have a plucker? Do you have a scalder? You know, have you thought about this? And nine times out of 10, you'll get the, the odd customer sometimes that still pushes through and says, I'm going to do this. Um, but you'll get the odd customer sometimes that, you know, or you'll get nine times out of 10, the customer will say, you know what? I didn't think this through. I didn't realize that processing chickens is as big a deal as it is. Um, <laughs> you know, point blank, like for me to do 50 birds in a day by myself, Austin, I don't know how great your skills are, but I only process chickens like twice, maybe three times a year. I'm not dialed to the point where I can bang out 50 chickens by myself in a day and feel good about the job I did. And I think for a lot of people, they see somebody do it on YouTube and they think, okay, I can do that. Super simple. But then they're actually going to get to it. And you stack up 50 birds to try and process in a weekend by yourself you're not going to want to do meat birds again anytime soon. I love those are such good points. And it's so true. If we if we dive in the overwhelm, you guys know caring for animals, like when things go wrong, things go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So and I love what you said, Jackie, about it, it is slow. It's a slow process, right? So someone who's sitting at home in, in the last two years, it's crazy. I redid the intro to Homesteady and the podcast we started the podcast eight years ago and the intro was the world is a crazy place, but you and me, we can make it a little bit better. And now the intro, I've inserted a couple little news clips where it's like, the world is a crazy place, pandemic, <laughs> war, food shortage. And like that was last week. Like this is all yeah. happening right now. It's just getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And if you weren't scared enough to start before COVID, then the fear of COVID motivated, we know we saw the big boom in, in interest in our channels and people wanting mm -hmm. to do this. And then that kind of faded. And then, but then now there's the, the change with the pandemic and then there's the wars and, and the violence and the crime and, and the food shortages. And, and there's, so there's always something new to be scared about. 
And it gets that person back into that frenzy of, I got to get this now. I got to have this now with the feeling like it's too late. I, if, you know, if we gave somebody $100,000, a beautiful farm property and said, here, the infrastructure is ready. Go buy all the animals you can with $100,000. You guys know, what would that place look like in a year? Would it be working? <laughs> it would, it would be in shambles pretty quick. Yeah. And you know what? It not only would the farm or farm homestead, whatever you want to call it, not only would the property look crazy, but the the health, the mental health of the people operating it. And the animals. And the animals, they'd be fried. <laughs> Everyone would just be fried. It would not be good. You guys like me, not like Kay. Kay had this kind of background. She grew up in this, but you guys are like me. We didn't come from this. What is that four-year period that you've built this homestead? What, what, that slower progress, right? That little baby steps going at that pace. Okay. So you know what? You're not a hundred percent self-sufficient spoiler alert. Nobody gets there. No. Um, you're not, you know, maybe right now growing everything that you put on your table, but what have you in the four year period, what's happened to you guys that's gotten you better equipped to be where you are now? Let's well, you can pick up a chicken. That's a start. <laughs> I can like you can touch a bird and I, handle well, that's a bird. what I was doing before we hopped on here. I was talking all knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Let me birds into their little coop yep. for the night. Uh, I can touch a bird. I can get down in there with them. I can do the same with the pigs. You can hang out on processing day now, whether it's chickens or I, pigs. I can watch an animal be processed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put it this way. I am perpetually terrified of needles. I'm terrified of scalpels. Man, like we are really watching Grey's Anatomy, you. and if they're going to do an operation on somebody, <laughs> I literally have to like look away and not be involved in it because just seeing a scalpel slice your skin, me too, um, will, will send me into fits of rage. Kay loves um, all those medical dramas and stuff, and I can't. She watches them without uh, me. I can't watch. Let me put it this way: I had to get blood drawn a couple years ago for just like routine medical stuff, and uh, they literally had to lay me back in the chair. <laughs> and feed me ap apple juice and Jackie, <laughs> I think I made you drive home because you would come mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's how bad I was, I was out of it. But you can go now because. Well, I can go now because yes, you've coached me through it. But nice. also what I was saying is I can literally go out now and we had a pig last fall that had gone down and mm -hmm. needed to be processed. And I don't want to say I'm, I'm stone cold killer about it, but <laughs> you know, if I have to go out there and, and slaughter a pig, I can do that now. And it's, you know, I don't think I would have been able to do that. The the 21-year-old punk rocker, tough guy in tight jeans and, and ski caps that I was back then. I acted way tougher back then and I was not as tough. And then now I'm just this big jovial kind of dude with a beard and puts pigs down. <laughs> if someone's sitting and, and they're thinking like, this is it, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm going to start the homestead thing. Um actually we've been doing a survey at the website for years we've been running a survey when people first sign up to the email list hey what do you want to learn and i cannot tell you 
how many people actually I can't because I just ran the statistics on this. <laughs> it's like 75% of people put the word self-sufficient in their form. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be self-sufficient. If we approach building a homestead where we're creating a place where we're going to enjoy our life, we're going to get some peace, we're going to find some security and and build a life where we not only provide for ourselves with food, but provide for ourselves a place to get away from the crazy world around us. What do you guys think? Step year one, what should some goals, what are some good goals for total newbies year one? Read a book. Yeah, definitely. Start with a book. Yeah, pick a book up, start reading. Um, you know, if, if we're starting in January and we're saying, you know, like one year, um, yeah. pick up a book and, and do it. If we're starting now, like this time of year, um, it's not too late to, to get some chickens, uh, you know, pick up, a, you know, get a four pack of hens, you know, that, that if you have four to six hens um, laying eggs, you know, that is the most simple way to wean yourself off something from the grocery store. We haven't bought eggs from the grocery store since our first set of hens started laying. And that's, you know, that's the biggest thing you can do. Obviously I can't eat chicken eggs anymore because I've developed some sort of weird allergy, hence the new ducks this year. But eggs, whether it's ducks, whether it's chickens, that's going to be your number one easiest way to cut cut a tie to the grocery mm-hmm. store and, and hit that self-sufficient level. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I would say people say self-sufficient and they it creates, at least in my head, this notion of like, this is us. We are on our homestead and this is all we need. That's all we're doing. And as somebody that's been at it for four years and still has to go to the grocery store every week to buy some groceries... Um, I can tell you that that's a long, long-term goal. If it's even reachable, it's reachable in the far term. Mm-hmm. But if you branch out outside of your, your, you know, that self-sufficient label that I kind of attach to it, and you engage with somebody that is already living this lifestyle, uh, we run poultry processing workshops here on our farm, and we don't do tons of them. We do like one a year but it gives five people the ability to come out to the farm that have never processed a bird before, never even taken a bird's life. And they're going to get a sharp knife that I know is sharp and they're going to get a killing cone and they have a plucker and a scalder. And it's going to give them a taste of what this is life is all about. Um, I would say kind of the biggest step in homesteading that a lot of people need to take is the, is the taking of a life. And a lot of people have hunted, um, I've shot deer with a bow and arrow. I've shot turkey with a shotgun before. You know, I've, I've done the hunting and the taking of the life from a distance. But when you've got a chicken in the killing cone, when you've got a pig kind of standing right in front of you and you have to take that life and process that animal, um, that's the biggest step that I feel a lot of people need to make. And if you can accomplish not necessarily doing that in the first year, but at least being on premises when that is sort of thing is happening, that's a huge step you can take to kind of one, test your metal and see if, if this is something that you really want to get into, but two, expose you to it. Like Jackie talks about exposure therapy. Um, it puts you in front of it and it puts you in the situation where, you know, it, it's there and it's right in front of you and there's really nothing you can do to stop it. Um, you just are, you're part of the process at that point. Uh, and without dragging that too far on, I think that's something huge that people can do is is try to get involved with somebody that's going to be processing animals and see that process firsthand. You know, that makes me think of when I was doing all my reading, um, <laughs> keeping bees, because that's what I really want to do next. 
Um, the beekeeping community is very big on get a mentor, get your hands in a hive, go do before you purchase or bring it onto your farm. And, and maybe there's other parts of farming that can take from that as well. Like get your hands on a cow. What would it be like to milk a cow? What would it be like to kill a chicken? What would happen if your favorite duck all of a sudden gets sick one winter, like happened to us and, and you have to you have to put them down. Like, what does that actually feel like? I, I think that that's a huge part of the development of, of keeping animals. And I think that's one of the biggest questions we get is like, how do you do that? How do you raise these animals? And, and then, and then they're gone. And, you know, it's, it's a huge internal work, right? Your own mental work uh, to go into that. And then the other thought I had about the self-sufficiency piece, I think something to think about is that it's not something that is you achieve it and it's there. I, I think of it as you have periods of time where you're more self-sufficient. Like now, as we go into our growing season, mm -hmm. we're more self-sufficient, right? This period of time, we have vegetables, we have all of our meat, our eggs. So our grocery bill does go down. Um, you know, we still have to buy dino nuggets or something like that for Emma. <laughs> yes, we raise Don't our own Don't tell chicken. them about the dino nuggets. We oh, raise so our own insane. chickens, I've, but I've she loves them. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. But I think if you think of self-sufficiency in parts and phases and flexible, you can achieve it at periods of time, depending upon where you live as well. Like I'm not going to have fresh zucchini in February right? yeah. living in New England. Yeah. So, you know, you can can all you want. But if what you really want is, you know, a grilled or sauteed zucchini, uh, that's what you got to go to the grocery store to get that, you know. One thing that you guys, I think is so cool about your story. Um, the fact that, J Jackie, you went from like being afraid of chickens to now you have your own. We get emails from people a lot. Hey, I want to do this, but my significant other doesn't. Hey, I, I all in Aust. I, I listen to your podcast. I watch your videos. I'm ready to jump, but she, he, whatever, they don't want to, um, exposure therapy. I picked up on that one. What, how does this work? How do we get our significant others through exposure therapy to be more okay with this homestead? Don't force them. <laughs> yeah. They have to be willing. They have to be willing. And I think it's part by part, right? Like, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go to a therapist and have exposure therapy, but it's <laughs> what I did is like went to the neighbors and just, I hung around the chickens. That's it. They gave me a little scratch grain. I would throw them out. They'd come up and I would know, again, I do have more skills. I'm a therapist. I know how to manage anxiety. Um, but I think it's really, again, it's small steps, right? Go to a local, if you've got a kind of a petting zoo type farm thing, um, you know, I guess it's things like that, right? It's that's what would exposure therapy would be just off the cuff and on the fly is asking your partner to be flexible, right? Like, what would this maybe look like for us? And do you think that you could, you know, maybe get there? Um, I think it's having a, a good old conversation and not just the partner being like, no, never, you know, which I, this is where I started. For the longest time, like they were my chickens. They weren't Jackie's chickens. And yep. <laughs> watering was on me and, and feeding was on me and you know, if I had to run out of the house to be at work early in the morning and it was, you know, hey, Jackie, can you feed and water the chickens today? There, there were faces made and comments muttered. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I think it was more or less just, you know, Jackie lived with the chickens. The chickens were on the property. And eventually she got to the point where just being around them and being exposed to them here and there, um, I almost lost my chicken ownership to this point. Like they're her <laughs> birds, you know, and, and it's kind of, I, I never at no point was I ever yelling at well there might have been one or two points where you sent me 
pictures of and videos of the roosters fighting. And I'm like, you need to get in there. You need to stop the roosters, split them up. And <laughs> oh, there's so there's a funny video out there. I think where I think it's on our YouTube. Somewhere. It is on the YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you the link to put in the show notes or something. But there's a video where Jackie literally just sent me a video of two roosters fighting, and she's just yelling at them from across stop the it. stop, <laughs> stop! You're gonna hurt each other. You're gonna... And this was very early on. I would have never been able to get in between them. Now I could. Yeah, like no I'm, problem. I'm just at work texting Jackie like, "You need to get in there. You need to not be such a wuss about this. Just fix the fix the problem." Um, and that, but that was probably the only time I ever like really yelled at you and said, "You have to get on board with this." Um, yeah because you were you weren't here yeah i wasn't here and you kind of like had to step up no but other than that they were my chickens for a long time you guys have now you've grown you've gotten bigger now you're both and you know each year you learn more skills you do more things uh and now you're starting to grow the business side of things and you mentioned already a little bit about the uh, soap business tell us um you know you you Early on, you said you both still have, you work full time. Uh, what is like the path going forward on your guys' homestead with the new business and things? What are you foreseeing in the next couple of years? My hopes, um, I own my own business um, in, in what I do by profession. Um, and our, our goals really are to have Jack here more full time as we grow. Uh, someone needs to be here um, for, you know, the, the rooster fighting issue or different things. Um, so we'd like to get Jack more full time here. Um, that's definitely a big goal that I have for us. Um, talk about mental health and stress levels. Uh, we're both working full time jobs and doing everything we do is really challenging some days. Um, and so I think that's a big goal that I'd like to shoot for is that uh my business would be more primary and Jack could could do this and, and grow it more to also be a, a primary source of, of our life. Yeah, I made a pretty strategic move about two years ago um, that I talked about on the channel where I left a, a very well-paying sales job um, in the tree care industry to go work for this feed store that I'm still at. And one of the best of the store is that they will offer benefits to anybody who works averages 10 hours a week or more that works there. And um, what that's allowed, Jackie being her own business owner, uh, it's allowed us to have health insurance for the family, dental, life insurance, all that good stuff, um, while also developing kind of a, a plan for the farm that as the farm grows and as the YouTube channel grows and there's more income coming in from that, it'll also allow me to step back from what is my full-time job currently into more of a part-time role, but still provide the benefits that you know, having, having a real quote unquote job <laughs> provides you, um, as we kind of move forward with the farm and the farm business, it's all about, it's all about finding ways to, to maximize what we can do, what we have. Um, part of the, the big, one of the bigger reasons why we're getting sheep instead of goats, um, aside from the fact that goats are completely evil is that when we look at a, a small herd of sheep, uh, we can bring a couple of bread ewes onto the farm. We have enough pasture to support them, but what they produce. So in the springtime, when you have lambs, you can sell female lambs for money. You can raise male lambs for the meat. Uh, when you process the male lambs, you can have the hides tanned and that's a value added product that you can sell. And then you can also shear your ewes and sell that fiber either as raw fiber to be processed by somebody else, or you can have that fiber processed 
into yarn, into something else, and then sell that product as well. Uh, we've kind of always looked at it from the standpoint of if we're going to bring something onto the farm, we need to maximize profitability from it. And if it, we have the opportunity to bring on one animal that we can, you know, turn around in a year for a full, you know, a full smorgasbord of, of profit coming back from that animal in multiple avenues, that's what we're going to do. Uh, people have said, why don't you raise beef? And well, as you know, beef is a long-term commitment. And when you're raising one beef cow or two beef cow, you know, you have one hide you can sell, you have one cow that you can sell. Uh, with the smaller animals, especially the smaller ruminants, it gives us the ability to, to really nourish the homesteading part of it, but also the, the small business part of it. I mean, a uh, year of chasing sheep around your property, Jack. I'll try to sell you some beef cattle after that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to get those Kanko folks up here and film a little promo video. Oh, man, they're good people, man. They're good people. I'll get you in touch with Eli. He's a good guy. Awesome. They, uh, so, you know, as you guys are building, one of the directions you just, just got into this year is the uh, pig soap. I was, you know, I've done a lot of homesteading things over the years. I've been exposed to a lot of different things. Um, pig soap. That was like a pretty new one. I was like, oh man, what is this? Pig soap. Tell us about the pig soap thing. So the pig soap thing started where every year during around processing time, I mean, we're big on maximizing what we get back from our animals, you know, with, with two pigs for us. And then the rest of the pigs being for sale last year, seven pigs that we sold. I found myself with literally half of my chest freezer filled up with pork fat. And, you know, you can only make so much sausage. You can only grind so much. I had saved it thinking, oh, I'm going to shoot a deer and I'll mix it with the venison and make ground <laughs> venison. And then deer season came and went last year and I didn't shoot any deer. So I ended up with this freezer full of pork fat. And at some point around Thanksgiving, I just said, you know what? I can turn this into soap. I can render it. It's a real pain in the butt, but it's a value. It's a way for me to get rid of this. The animals weren't processed at a USDA facility. So I couldn't legally sell that fat as fat back that people could either turn into food or render for lard. Um, I was in this conundrum where I needed to find a way to process all this fat and, and get it out there to the masses. At the same time, my barber who knew I make my own beard oil and beard balms had been saying to me, you need to get me some of your stuff. I'll put it in the store. I'll sell because I sell all this mass marketed stuff. And really what people want is something niche and down home that's made right here. And I kind of just, I don't even really remember where I came up with the name. I think I was just laying in bed one night and I said, you know what, I'm going to make soap and I'm going to make beard care products. And I'm going to call it the dapper pig. I love that. Um, just because that was, that was what I was thinking about. Pigs were on my mind. Uh, aside from, so the beard oil and beard balm does not have any lard in it, but the soaps all do have its combination of uh, lard, coconut oil, and sweet almond oil. That was, we use our, as our oil bases. Uh, and then actually we make a hand salve as well that does have some lard in it. It's not a ton because you don't want to be rubbing lard on your hands all day, but there is a little bit in there um, that we use in addition to the other carrier oils. Pe for and people who don't, like I got a lot of lard experience. I got years of lard in my freezer. For people who don't have a lot of lard experience, the word lard, like if you come coming out of our generation, the word lard and the generation, we're okay with it. Like boomers be like, lard, gross. <laughs> Lard yeah, soap. It, Tell it, us about lard, Jack. So lard is lard is the fat from a pig. You render it out. Um, it's kind of, I kind of liken it to coconut oil, which is what maybe a lot of millennials are used to. 
Um, you know, it, it has a low melting temperature. It's a very creamy, smooth fat. You can cook with it. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. Um, but it makes a great base for, for soaps. Cause when you process it with the sodium hydroxide, the lye that you're using to create soap, it creates a very creamy bar that has a, a good firm consistency to it. So it lasts a long time, but when you blend it with some other carrier oils, you can get a really rich, creamy lather. So Chris from Rockinate Farm, who's one of the moderators tonight in the chat, uh, he's got a bar of soap that I just sent him, uh, I think about a week ago. He, he has it now, and it, it creates a pretty luxurious bar. Chris, vouch for me if you hear this, <laughs> if you're still in there. He is, and I got to just quickly say thank you. We got a lot of mods in tonight. We got some new ones. Uh, so go ahead and check out Rock and H Farms, Sunny's Place, Sunny's Place, and Rock and H. There are some new mods who join because normally, guys, Jack is one of our mods. Jack's been a mod on our live streams for a long time, and I was like, "Well, Jack's going to be busy tonight." And Jack's like, "Don't worry, I got you some mods." So welcome to our new mods. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. In a minute, we're about to start taking some questions from the audience. If you're enjoying this episode, I just want to remind you, uh, this is an extended full-length episode. This is what is this is what the Pioneer Library is full of. Uh, normally, we only release a half-hour long show the edited version. The full-length version stays on our website in the Pioneer Library, and it includes everything we talked about in that episode, including questions we take from the audience live. If you're a home study pioneer, you get to join us live for these interviews. I post the dates of when we're going to have a guest, and then I put the live stream up in the Pioneer Library, where you can, in the chat box, ask questions in real time, and we can get our special guests to answer them. We've had some really big guests over the years, so if you'd like a chance to ask questions directly to homesteading experts, people who've been doing it a long time, consider becoming a homesteady pioneer. There's a link in the description of this podcast, or perhaps if you're watching on YouTube, you've noticed something just popped up on the screen. Click that. You'll become a pioneer. You can join for a monthly fee, or if you join for the year, you can save a little money on your membership. It helps us produce the show. In return, you get access to everything in our Pioneer Library, all the extended versions of our podcasts, classes, courses, video field trips to other farms, doing all kinds of different things you can learn from. And one of the coolest features, you get to join us live for these interviews and actually help us make these interviews by asking really good questions like this next one. It was Sam Wigginton. 
Sam Wigginton, you asked, do Bressy chickens live up to all the hype? Ooh. Anybody know? What I'm going to say about Bressy chickens, and I've actually, I've got a video that I want to shoot about this whole thing. Um, and Austin, you have Cooney Cooney, so I don't know if you're going to take offense to this. <laughs> every couple, every couple years, there are like, I don't want to call them designer breeds, yeah. but there are hot breeds that pop up in the homesteading community and everyone swears that it's the next big thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was the Mangalitsa pig. Then it became the, the Swami and Hall pig, which I think is a Carl Blake invention. Um, if you know pigs, you know, Carl Blake. Um, Cooney Coonies are in there now. Bressy chickens are in there now. Uh, what else? Tell me what else, what else has been hip and trendy? Oh, man, that's a good one. Okay. So, I mean, mini jerseys are definitely one of the like trendy things. Yep. Um, yeah, Cooney Coonies is a great one. So back in back in my day, Grandpa Ost, when I started homesteading, Tamworth. Tamworth pigs were Tamworth like... Tamworth pigs, yep. Oh, man, you got to get... Or, and even before Tamworth, it was Berkshire pork. Oh, man, nothing, yeah. no and pork. Berkshire is, pork is... I do have some 100% Berkshire in the freezer from a friend and breeder up here that she gave me recently. And I got to say, the color on it is astounding. But if you cooked, like if you cooked it and ate it and compared it our pork even though the color would be different it, it, it's about the same as far as yeah. taste and flavor and tenderness and all that goes yep I, um, but anyway dexter, not going too far into it dexter cows okay dexter, yep. keep going <laughs> white face herefords now i don't know if there's big down by you yeah me, but yeah, yeah everyone wants herefords there's there's trends that come and go in the homesteading community and every one of these pigs you know the mangalitsa is the kobe beef of pork and everyone should raise them um you know bressy chickens there you can have your own self-sustaining meat bird flock they're hyped up to the point where they get big for a little bit and then they kind of die out when people realize that they're not maybe all they're cracked up to be or that while the marketing behind them by the people that were touting them is kind of like that silver bullet, there were downsides to them that they didn't really talk about. Mm -hmm. um, Bressy chickens, you know, after a couple years, your genetics really kind of get boiled down and you need to bring in new blood and they're, and they're not, they're not as quick to grow out as a Cornish cross might be, or with the, um, with the mangalitsas, the fact that they take 18 months to two years to raise out to really a slaughterable weight. And even at that point, you're getting a ton of lard and not as much meat as maybe you think you would. Anytime you see something like that, where somebody says like, oh, this is the one breed for you to really, it's going to solve your problems. Uh, just take it with a grain of salt, do a yeah. lot of research into it. Um, you know, the breasty chicken, while it is kind of cool for a, a heritage breed to kind of grow the way it does, um, there's a lot of required feedings in that bird. You know, you've got to keep it locked in a cage and feed it milk and corn, which to me is not, you know, it, it might provide a great tasting bird, but is it really ethical to do that sort of thing at home? Um, just do your research is all I can really say on that one. I think it kind of goes back to like the more you guys talk about your point of view and how you've built this homestead over the years. There are a lot of motive. There are a lot of emotions that can can drive us right uh me and Kay are both when we make decisions we're both feelers we both go by feelings first right then you got your accountant mics of the world who are really good with logic and reason and maybe they feel one way but they're going to go with the hard facts um as you guys have built this homestead over the years and gone in different directions from just four chickens to starting a, a pork lard uh soap based business and now even branching into new animals and new things uh, taking these slow and steady steps, um, 
even just what you're saying there, Jack, about like not hopping on trends and not being motivated by too much. What, what is your guys' decision-making process? I'd love to know, because me and Kendra have a process every year, and this is what we do every year, but I'd love to know your guys. Every year we sit down in December after we're tired. The tiredness of the season wears off. Like the fall, we get really tired and cranky. If we decided what to do in October every year, it would be kill everything, have a huge barbecue. No more animals. And have a, yeah, buy an RV and leave. And uh, yeah, so that's why we don't make decisions in October. By December, we're like, calm down, we're quiet. That's we're, a t-shirt right there, Austin. Yes, that's a good one. Jack? We don't make decisions in October. We need a new design. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, what is your... So we sit down in December and we start talking and start writing down and making decisions. We do the one-year, five-year, ten-year, right? What is your guys, as you're building the Mindful Homestead, which, by the way, if you haven't picked up on that yet, that's the name of the channel, guys. Links, <laughs> check them out, Mindful Homestead. Uh, long-term friends of Homesteady. I'm so happy to have you guys on the show tonight. Um, go check out Mindful Homestead. What is the process as you guys build next animals, next endeavors? What does it look like? How do you figure this out? I'm going to let Jackie answer this question because my process is just to start throwing ideas out <laughs> towards her and seeing what sticks. So I guess what I'll do is I'll start by saying that's what I do. And then her, I'll let her take over and kind of see what her process is. It's a really great question. We are not that planful like you guys are. We do no writing. We do no business planning in that regard. Um, it's a lot of off the cuff conversations. Like if you were flying the wall here in our house uh, after Emma goes to bed, it usually starts with Jack saying, hey, what do you think about this for next year? Or, <laughs> and then I sometimes usually, um, my initial reaction is like, Hell no. Like, <laughs> and sometimes a little meaner than that, to be honest. Um, You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what and... was the text message you sent me about? Real brief story here, not to get too tangential. Uh, we were we wanted to get some more ducks this year, and Jackie had a friend that wanted some ducks as well. So we were going to split an order of McMurray to hit 10 minimum um, to, get for, to get shipping on the ducks without paying the shipping fee. <laughs> and I think her friend wanted four, and Jackie was like, should we get four too? And I no, I said let's put them in with the meat. Or yeah, order let's, them can, with the can meat we put birds. them in with the meat birds so that we don't have to get ten ducks? And I was like, let's. I was like, what's the minimum order on ducks? And she goes ten. And I go, just get six then. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if we're raising four ducks, we might as well raise six ducks. So just so that's my <laughs> process of like what to do. And her response to that was just like, are you crazy? I think I said, are we crazy? Are we crazy? Like, but what is going on? But that, that I think actually is a great example. Like, again, if you were a fly on the wall here, it's very off the cuff banter back and forth. Again, usually it's like me dismissing it. Like, oh, that's, that's crazy. And like, here's the no. kicker. That friend that we split the order with ended up moving to Florida and getting rid of all her animals. We have all and ducks. Jackie oh, was the one to say, let's just keep her ducks too. So <laughs> I, four, six, nine. nine. Oh, one didn't make man. it in yeah. transit, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But Jackie was the one to say, let's just keep the extra yeah. three. So, but that I would say that's our decision-making. If I really had to think about it, it's very, it's actually not very mindful. I, I float <laughs> ideas and then she provides feedback. Yeah, I think our partnership is Jack, tends to be maybe the creative the dreamer right you would say and i i'm the reasonable mind he's that emotional mind and i'm the reasonable uh, mind and then eventually we find our wise mind 
Happily. Our problem is we're both dreamers in different ways, <laughs> and like no rational person here to say, don't get a camel. Just don't well, do Kay's it. Kay's a dairy girl too. So she's, <laughs> if you can milk it, yeah. I feel like Kay's into it. Yeah, that's, yep. The list of to do's, yep. We're both the, both the feelers. As somebody, we got a couple questions. We'll take questions at the end. I see them all in um, caps, guys. That's great. So I just got a couple more questions for you guys, and then we'll get to questions. Um, who, way back, when Jack, you were thinking about the fear, right? Of like the supermarket shuts down and I can't do this anymore. And now four years has gone by. You guys have started and you've done all these things and you've grown in these different paths. And, you know, we talked a little bit about self-sufficiency. You're still not a hundred percent self-sufficient and you still got to go and buy dino nuggets. Um, <laughs> and we do live in a crazy world that like when things happen, like, you know, what happened this week in Texas and then, you know, dealing with pandemics and things, um, you know, when you guys see the progress you've made in four years, uh, how does it feel? Does fear still creep in? Is it still part of part of the equation here? Or how does the homestead help with that, with the craziness of the world? How has it helped you guys over the last few years? You know, if we break it down into parts, the early part of the pandemic, when everything was shutting down, we had people coming to us for their eggs, for their chicken. Um, and that felt really great because we had that stability to also help our friends and family. Um, so I think early on, that was the first initial um, realization for me that we were doing something right for ourselves and our family. And, and there was a little bit less anxiety because of that. And then now fast forward to current events. And again, I feel, I feel pretty good, you know, do current events affect us and make us think? Absolutely. But in terms of knowing that if the grocery shut grocery shut down tomorrow, we're good. We're good. Are we good forever? No, of course not. But can we raise animals and can we make more? Absolutely. Um, and I think that that right there, when that anxiety gets going about, oh my gosh, like they're saying bread's going to go up or the milk or this or that. And then I take a breath and I go, we'll be okay, right? It's surviving the temporary. These things are all temporary. They, they, they flow and they flux and everything like that, right? We get all crazy about it, but in, in in the end, it is temporary. And so I always try to just take a step back, get mindful if we want to be a little <laughs> cheesy there, and really just remember this is temporary. I'm okay. I've got this stuff. We've got a bunch of freezers in the basement and, and we will survive through this. It might be eating chicken every night and no vegetables if it really chicken came down pork. to it. Um, but again, we, we, we would be okay. And it also... It the act of, and again, I, I keep coming back to this word mindful and it sounds hokey because it's the name of our homestead. But <laughs> when you're, when you're doing these sorts of things, it really gets your head in a place to think more about, you know, what am I eating? What am I putting in my body? How much food do we need? Um, you know, we're not hundred percent self-sufficient. As we said before, we don't need to buy pork. We don't need to buy chicken. Um, you know, I actually, I catch a lot of fish and, and we put some fish in the freezer that way too. Uh, now Emma's catching fish, which is awesome. I saw your fishing derby. 
Oh yeah, she killed it. Yeah. Five fit like under an hour, bagged out. We gotta go home. But um, but what it does is it, you know, we have a garden and we grow things in the garden that we like to eat. And we can a lot of that and we put it in the basement where it's nice and cool and we store that and we eat from it throughout the year. But at the same time, it also helps us realize what we don't grow ourselves and what we don't produce. You know, we can go to the grocery store and every time we we do a grocery order for things that we're going to eat right now, you throw a few canned goods on there. And, you know, if you're not, you know, I think homesteading and, and the prepping kind of go hand in hand and not to go too far into the prepping side of things. But if you realize through your homesteading what you need to do to, to prep for hard times, you know, it makes you more aware of it. And, you know, I've got a bunch of cans of green beans down in the basement <laughs> that I bought from the grocery store because when we grow our green beans, we like to eat them fresh. Like we like to stir fry them up. We like to, you know, not necessarily freeze them because anybody who's ever grown green beans knows they taste way better picked, cleaned and sauteed up that night. <laughs> then they're going to taste if you pressure canned them or if you froze them and blanched them and went that route. Um, that's kind of, you know, you can do both at the same time. It, you know, being a homesteader really puts you in a place to think about current events and think, okay, what do I need to do to better prepare myself for these events? And again, like Jackie said, that anxiety just sign it doesn't melt away entirely, but you end up in a place where you're much more able to accept these current events and accept the, the impact that they're going to have on you and take steps to reduce that impact. You just said, Jack, you, when you think as a homesteader, the first thing you go is what do I need to do? And mm -hmm. I think that is one of the things, the frame of mind that your head goes in when you become a homesteader, right? And, and we're real clear on homesteading. You become, in my opinion, you become a homesteader the minute you take your home and you start looking at ways you can produce from it. So if you're in an apartment and you have zero land, but you're like, well, I got a window and I got a room I could throw a grow light in and I cut some public land I could go forage or hunt on, congratulations, you've started homesteading, right? So my opinion is that. That's what makes you a homesteader. Um, when you say your frame of mind goes from they need to, we have to convince everybody that they need to. Yep. And when you look at the world right now and the horrible things going on, whether it is shootings that just happened, whether it's war here or there or wherever, whether it's pandemic and policies associated with it, all these things that put Diesel fear prices. on us. Right? Fuel prices. Fuel prices. <laughs> yeah, come on, right? We could scream on social media all day. They need to make a change and they need to do this. And we got to convince this person and this guy's making all these bad decisions and it's his fault. But you just said, Jack, when you're a homesteader, the first thing you think is what do I need to do? And then you figure that mm -hmm. out and then you start making changes. And I personally feel like that is one of the best things. You're not going to be a hundred percent self-sufficient. I've been at it a decade, over a decade. We've been homesteading now. We're not a hundred percent self-sufficient. We're further along than we were two years, four years, six years ago, but we're not a hundred percent. We're, we still go out and buy dino nuggets, yeah. <laughs> but you just, instead of spending so much time, and this is why we did the show public tonight. Cause there's a lot of screaming I'm seeing on social media. There's a lot of people yelling back and forth about what everyone else needs to do and how they got to make changes in this spot and this decision maker. And it's just, Let's take all the fear and all the anxiety and all the worry and all that stuff, turn it, and like you guys say, take take little steps here of what do I need to do 
and then building that slow and steady like you guys over the last four years have um, and, and have been sharing, which is so cool. So tell everybody, where can they follow this journey? And then we will cover some questions after that. People who want to follow you guys, as you grow more and more self-sufficient each year and bigger and bigger, where can they see all this? YouTube channel, uh, just the Mindful Homestead, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, the website, if you want to buy soap or any beard care products, uh, is just mindfulhomestead.com. There's no the in that. It's just Mindful Homestead. But uh, but if you go into Google and just punch in the Mindful Homestead, we'll pop up all over the place. I'm a pretty good SEO guy, so I got that figured out. <laughs> You're a really good, I don't know who does the branding there, but man, I think you guys, I all right. Jack, your work with the branding for Dapper Pig, the the visuals, and I saw you on your video, your explainer video, talking about how you guys are doing all the printing on site, everything. With oh, yeah. It. It's sharp, man. You did a really good job with that. So I got to say. I'm currently fighting with, Jackie has a printer upstairs that is, <laughs> it was it was just a very cheap printer that was printed for like intermittent, like form filing for her business. And I'm fighting with it. I'm I'm ready to like drop the mindful homestead credit card down on a uh, on a on a fancy dancy printer so I can actually do some real fun stuff. <laughs> well, guys, Jack and Jackie have been super uh, super cool. If you're a homesteady pioneer, you have an awesome discount to Dapper Pig Soap, so you'll find that through the Pioneer Library. Uh, just fantastic. But they're offering everybody a discount. Uh, do you remember that off the top of your head, Jack? Or I can punch it in later. Uh, I do. I'm actually scrolling back through. I think it was just mindful 10. No, it was Homesteady 10. Homesteady 10. Uh, for 10% off. So if you guys go, we'll have a link. Our mods will get a link to their, their store. Uh, if you want to try some lard soap. If you're thinking lard, again, I love how Jack put it. It's like coconut oil. If you've not experienced lard, we live lard. It's been a reality in our life for eight years now. Lard is a wonderful okay. thing. It tastes good. It smells good. It it's great. But if you never I'm staring at like a, a six quart container of it across from the it's table. A beautiful thing. <laughs> but if you've never yeah, and it's like you it's like soap you get at the store. Like totally. I was a little weirded out by it, but it's I use it every night. It's yeah. It's nice. And... Yep. Homesteady 10. Yeah. So that's the code. I just double checked. So Homesteady 10 gets you 10% off your Everything first on order, website. guys. One time. First order. And then go subscribe to the Mindful Homestead, whatever, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or all that. Um, you guys' channel has been growing a lot over the last year or two here, and we've loved having you in the Homesteady community. Uh, Jack, when you do modding for us, you always do a fantastic job with that. Uh, but also just Jack and me have chatted about things over the years, and we, like I said, we've done a lot of similar things. We do the, we've done the pig business, the on-farm butcher things and all that. So Jack's been... When you do content, you, you're, you rub shoulders with a lot of different channels and a lot of different people... There's there's nice ones and there's gold ones and Jack you've always been one of the ones I really really liked rubbing shoulders with so thank you guys for coming on oh, the show awesome. tonight. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get a striper trip planned to Connecticut oh, at some point. A hundred percent, man. I hundred percent. I love catching stripers and I've seen your pictures out there on the rocks pulling them in. We oh, have yeah. we have a couple questions here. Um, I want to get to. Uh, let's see here. And normally, guys, tonight we're doing this public. Uh, normally this is what we do with the Homesteady Pioneers every other week. We do a show like this. You get to ask questions of the guests. So if, if you're thinking about it, if you liked what you saw tonight, uh, Jack and Jackie have been on our public show before. I knew they'd be okay with it. I checked with them ahead of time. Uh, but normally some guests have never live streamed before, so we don't throw them in front of a live YouTube audience. Sometimes it's a lot, especially if you don't have great mods like we do tonight. But, um, 
So got, I I didn't even realize Cindy was here, Karen's here, oh, the yeah. whole squad. Yeah, yep, yep. Everybody showed up, so it's been good. Um, yeah, tonight we've been great. But normally I don't throw everybody in front of a live YouTube audience. So if you'd like this and you'd like to do it every other week, we're booked right now to August. I got it in the Pioneer Library. We have a show every other week. Fantastic people. I'm super excited about bringing on. Uh, just clear through till August. So I know you're going to enjoy it. So we'll have a link there to become a pioneer. Now, questions. First off, we had somebody asking, oh, I think, it, I don't know if it was Rock and H was asking it or asking for somebody, uh, but they wanted to know about favorite pig breed and chicken breed. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com So pigs, we raise uh, Berkshire Duroc crosses. Um, we don't do any farrowing on our farm currently. Uh, I don't know. We're at 10 pigs is right at kind of that middle area where does feeding pigs through the winter to have your own piglets make sense financially. Uh, we'll see what piglet prices do in the future, but we do have a local breeder that we work with whose pigs are great. Their temperament is awesome. He spends a lot of time with them as piglets. And I would say within two years, you know, if you've ever raised pigs, you know how skittish piglets are. Uh, within two days of bringing the piglets onto the farm this year, we had them literally eating out of our hands and, and kind of interacting with us. So we're really happy with, with the grow out rates we're getting, the quality of the meat on these Berkshire Duroc crosses that we're raising now. Uh, as far as favorite breeds of chicken. I love uh, Orpingtons, the caramel color. The buff. The buff. buff. There we go. Yeah. I'm not always great on the <laughs> breeds. Um, they're one of my favorites. They're a bigger bodied bird. Um, they're your quintessential chicken that you find on like a kitchen rag, I feel like. Yep. <laughs> <They're printed. laughs> um, uh, silver lace Wyandots, those were one of my first. Um, we kind of take oh. a stance where we look at kind of chickens now, and, and we have a very mixed flock out there, yeah. but we look at chickens, like do they make a dual purpose or would it make sense to process them? We're not actively processing a lot of our laying flock for food, uh, we will raise Cornish crosses until we get to a point where potentially you can't order a Cornish cross in the mail and you're forced to do your own processing. Right. Um, but that's kind of the way our flock goes. Yeah, and then we just got, um, what are the, the black ones? The Oh, they're Midnight Morans. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And they lay these like honker. Yeah, for anybody, so Midnight Morans, they're kind of like, and I say, don't get sucked into designer chickens. Uh, it's essentially <laughs> a cross between a Bard Rock and a French black copper Morans. Um, there's, there's these just big full body black jet black birds, not like an I am Samani, but they lay great dark eggs and they lay with the frequency of a barred rock versus a, a mm -hmm. and they're regular really friendly Marans. and they're really friendly too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're super comfortable mm -hmm. far as sheep we're considering. I'll keep it short. Um, cause we're still fall 23 is where we're looking to bring the sheep mm -hmm. on. Um, we're looking at Coopworths, um, old, old line South downs, not the baby dolls that everyone's raising now, but the slightly bigger bodied. Uh, south downs and depending what the pasture ends up looking like if it is kind of wet uh, we're looking at Romneys just because of their uh, resistance to hoof rot and that sort of thing but the pasture is drying out pretty well I think it's going to come down to between uh, Coopworths and um, South Downs 
kind of leaning toward Coopworths because we have somebody we know that is very well, very vested in the Coopworth side of things and, and is a great mentor to us. Yeah. So I got to say, it's cool because we're um, building in the future, uh, looking into the future. We're looking at doing more with sheep, too. So seeing you guys are doing more of that, too. That's cool. I've yeah, been. They're great. I mean, they're great. I think they're really. I think the fact that you have to shear them scares a lot of people off. Um, and I think part of it, we're talking about trendy breeds. Um, I think the Katahdin hair sheep, um, I'm seeing a lot of people get into those and those are nice. You don't have to shear them, uh, which is great. And they, they make a great form of meat. Um, but I think for just to kind of throw it out there for anybody that's thinking sheep, I think it does make sense if you're a small farmer homestead to think about the financial opportunities that, uh, that a wool sheep provides over a hair sheep. Um, you know, if you're strictly homesteading and you're not going to be selling any fiber, um, or, or hides, then hair sheep definitely has a place. But if you're looking to make a little bit of money on the side, you know, business advice, findable sheep that you like. That's one thing you guys have done a lot. Looking at the one thing, how many different things can you do? It's a really good, especially when you're a homestead and you're limited in how much you can do and how many of things to maximize it. I know for me, uh, like, there are things where I'm just like, I don't want to do, like, I don't want to shear. I don't want to do hides. So for yep. me, it's like not an issue, but if you're looking at it, like I can have this one on this pasture here, how much can I get from it? That's a really good way of deciding, like, what can I double, triple, what can I make into soap and hides and meat mm -hmm. and classes? So awesome advice guys. This has been a blast. I love having you guys on. It, it was too long to get you on again. It had been a couple, you know, a couple of years since you've been on last. Um, so we'll, we'll make sure we'll get a follow-up sooner than two years where we learn about how the, the sheep are, well, the sheep are still a couple, 2023 fall, fall, fall 23. Yeah. So, fall yeah they're, they're, we're doing it right. Again, little bites. Little I want to get this pasture dialed. I don't want to just throw sheep onto it. That, that'll be fun to watch. And that's something I think people really should go and subscribe right now just because I think they should anyway. But that'll be a fun thing to see is you guys got that completely locked, completely cleared, and now you got to build pasture. And that'll be something that a lot of people could benefit from seeing is how you're going to do that. So I really can't wait, too, to see the Google Earth images come in when they fly, fly they a satellite overhead and finally take some <laughs> fresh pictures because it's it's crazy. Like, I, I've looked at it and kind of mapped it on a map and, and done what I can, but seeing it actually on a, like an aerial image is going to be crazy for the first time. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, and Nalo says, I'm going to buy some soap to convince my husband to get pigs. So I think you guys got at least one new customer there. So. Well, and they, I'm working on that pit, that pig descending soap. Uh, I've I, challenged I, Jack. I've challenged him for years. The smell of pig poop. When you get it on your skin, there is nothing that gets yep. it off. When Jack gets that, I'm going to make a whole, I'll make a viral video if I can if I can harness all my YouTube powers. <laughs> we'll come up with some fun co-branding. We'll maybe do like a t-shirt and a soap combo. You get like a homestead soap. I love soap. it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this one of those moments where Jackie's saying like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> like, there we go. We'll be flexible. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know, Jack's made a really big announcement over at his YouTube channel. He has an awesome homesteading conference planned for New England. If you're a New Englander and a homesteader or a future homesteader, you're gonna wanna check out what Jack's got planned this fall in New England, the Homesteaders of New England Conference. I'll have a link in the description of this podcast or 
the video that Jack filmed, I'll have it pop up right here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So go check out the Mindful Homestead, the Homesteaders of New England Conference, and everything else Jack and Jack are up to. 